What if everything you thought and believed about successful buying, selling, and financing your home was wrong? Welcome to HomeWise with Michael Midget. This is where you can count on straightforward, objective advice on the right way to make the most out of every dollar you put into your home. Whether it's buying, selling, or financing, even maintaining and growing its value along the way. Coming to you from the News Talk STL studios at Union Station in St. Louis. Welcome to HomeWise. I'm Stal Pontikas, and I'm joined by the creator and host of the show, Michael Midget. Michael, great to see you, buddy. Hey, Stal. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. I'm ready to jump in, man. Got all this insider knowledge. I'm ready to go. All right. <laughs> well, um, got a lot to, as always, I have more to cover than we probably have time for. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, but, you know, we've been trying to, been really trying to dive into the heart of what the primary problem is in the market today, all right, which is affordability. And there are lots of different ways to to tackle that, right? So it seems like every week I'm coming out, oh, here's what, you know, here's this problem affordability, here's what we're going to do to tackle it. And then each week there's like another way to tackle it. I'm like, well, which is it? Which is it that way? Or is it the one you talked about last week or the one two weeks ago? Um, and if you want to catch up on them all, you can find them on the website, Facebook page, homewiseradio.com, all those places. We're everywhere. Um, it's not it's not one versus the other, right? You could use them all together, right? So I've talked about the idea of stacking before, um, stacking the uh, the solutions, right? Some of them stack, some don't, but using them in tandem particularly um, when it comes to savings, when you're stacking different ones on top of each other, you start to multiply their benefits. And so today, what we're going to do is we're going to go back and talk about, I've talked about it a little bit in the past, but we really haven't dove into it, into it very deep. Um, But it's something that gets, it doesn't get a lot of, it doesn't get a lot of press because there aren't a lot of solutions for it. All right. So um, it's, the culmination of the power of a group, right? So a group of people together and what power they can have. A little bit of insider knowledge and a connection to put it all, you know, to put it all together. Use that applied to the affordability problem in the marketplace. That's what we've got today. All right. So it's really, it's a story of collaboration. Okay. And in real estate, in mortgage, in, in a lot of things in life, you know, there's, there's power in collaboration, right? Like-minded people working together uh, to get a common goal, right? It's uh, another form of crowdsourcing, you know, when you get a lot of ideas together, you know, they say the crowd could come up with a better idea than any one single person because of just the pure volume of uh, the ideas, there, like you're more likely to hit on the main one. You just have more. It's it's really more brain power, right? <laughs> so it's a bringing together of human human brain power. But um, you don't you don't truly access all of that until you get it in in the form of group, right? So it happens a lot in business, right? We see it a lot in in the business setting. Um, a company that's essentially what a company or a corporation is. It's a group of people. Um, who have come together right now, they've come together because they're getting paid. Okay. Um, But they come together and they're there for a common purpose to achieve a, to achieve a common goal. 
And in the case of a business or other business like uh, for-profit enterprises or activities, um, it's, it's to get paid, all right? But you also see it in other forms too, like charities, not-for-profits, associations. You just, you don't see it a lot outside of, you know, the not-for-profits and the charities, the associations, where it affects the consumer or the consumer is brought in directly, all right? And uh, in mortgage and real estate, we do have programs that are targeted to certain groups of people. Uh, They tend to be programs that center around need-based type of stuff. So, um, if you have a below average income, there's a program available to you. It's good. It serves a portion of the market and encourages home ownership. It's good for those people. It's good for the system as a whole, as long as it's done responsibly. But, um, and most of the time it is all right. Very seldom is it, is it not? Um, you also see it, um, for like first time home buyers, right? So people that, don't have the benefit of having invested into home ownership at some point in the past, usually because of age, right? But some people, because of their circumstances, um, they need help getting getting over that initial hurdle of saving for that down payment. So they have reduced down payment programs for that. You also see a version of it with uh, the program Homes for Heroes, all right? Now, that's not a lending or a loan program. That's a cost uh, buying or benefit, right? So it's not special loan program, but special discount on, and discount is probably not the right word for it, but I'll just call it that because it's a reduction in what the closing or the settlement costs are. Is that the one that's geared towards veterans? That's the one that's geared toward veterans and other, I throw, I call it the hero class, right? So it's veterans fall in there, but so do, um, Police, firefighters, teachers, mm. first responders, okay. EMT, that you know the you know that kind of class of uh, profession. Mm. Okay. Now, when you say veteran, veterans fall into that category. They also fall into another category, which there's a special loan program for them. So they're a truly special group. But um, just so that we don't we don't we don't get get confused there. These are all great programs. They're set up to help people. They're good for the system as a whole. But what happens if you don't fit the mold that they're built for, right? So not to take anything away from those, but there is, especially today, right, given what affordability is and all that, there is a class or group of people, it's rather large, that um, could use or need help to get into that uh, buying mode, get into the market, um, you know, whether they're first time home buyers and they just don't fit the typical home buyer, first time home buyer mold, or if they are second or third home, like second, third time around and they just, you know, circumstances or whatever, where they don't, where they need to get, uh, get help, help today. And a lot of average ordinary people, average everyday ordinary people fall into that today because of the reduced affordability, because of rates, because of home prices, because of wage lag compared to inflation and all those things. So it's like you've got a list of hurdles that you need to 
somehow yeah, it really deal is. with to get, yeah, it to really get is. over. It mm. really is. And some of those hurdles are qualification-based, like inside the process. Uh, there's a whole nother set of hurdles that you overcome mentally just deciding, do I want to buy? Do I want to get in the market? Do we want to move? Do we even want to mm. <laughs> take up brain space to try and tackle this? tackle this problem, you know, and, uh, but there's a whole, there, there's a lot of people out there and I just, I sit around and I think about, you know, I, you know, I get the idea with helping the classes and the special things, the profession based stuff, but what if you don't fall into any of those, right? What do you do? Well, that is the question we're going to tackle today. And um, I have an idea that will help people right now, especially if you're looking to buy or sell a house. So um, last week we talked about mistakes, right? So there's a mistake I left off the list. Mm. You just I knew I was leaving off the list. I was going to save it for this week. But by mistake, you left by it mistake, out. By mistake, I left it <laughs> off the list. See, we're all susceptible to mistakes. Um, not shopping for your settlement charges. Mm. Okay. So remember earlier I referenced Home for Heroes. Great program if you fit into the in if you fit into the mold for that. Um, but did you even know that you could shop for your settlement charges um, on your own? Even if you're not even if you're not in a special class. So this isn't like class, no class, like you like if you're a part of a class, you can do this, but if you if you're not, you can't, or vice versa. This is just simply knowing something. I will refer to it as insider knowledge because I don't think that it is well known. Um, it certainly doesn't happen on a regular basis. I question whether or not it even happens at all because of the structure of the industry, especially surrounding settlement service providers, the way their businesses are set up, where they get their business from. They're really not even set up to for consumers to shop. So even if, even if I said, hey, you know what, that, that's the idea today. Okay, we're done. Go off, <laughs> go off and do it. I'm not even sure you could do it on your own mm. because, well, what are they? You know, um, what, who, who is it? Who's in those categories? What should you pay, right? So these are all questions that you would have that you would need in order to effectively be able to shop for something like that. So it's not a huge stretch to industry insider, lots of years of experience, looking, knowing a lot of people, also knowing what it takes to really move the needle on a deal. And we're looking for all the ways that we can look at something. So in this case, a mortgage financing deal. Financing is probably the largest contributor to what the cost of that home is going to be over time than any other single factor, right? And so we are attacking the, the, the inputs of the elements that go to directly affect the cost of what that financing is, financing is over time. The biggest, the biggest piece of that is that we have control over is interest rate. Well, we don't have control over interest rate, but, well, we do kind of because even though we can't control the market, we can control where we fall in the market, right? So translate that into ground speak here and we're talking about buy downs again. God, we keep talking about buy downs. Why is that? Well, it's they're popular. They're popular for a reason. Interest rates drive mortgage sales. 
right? Well, rates are high today. Well, they're higher. They're not high historically, but they're higher than what we're used to. Um, they're high if you're if your attention to this area is less than 10 years, 10 years old. That's a long time. You know, I mean, I have to go all the way back to, I would guess probably the year 2000. So what are we in 2023? Now I have to go back that far to think of a, a loan that I closed that had interest rates. There was upwards of 10 Mm -hmm. at the time, Mm -hmm. right? I know we're not 210 yet, but we it wasn't too long ago we were on a trajectory where I was thinking like, okay, we're almost, you know, we're almost there. One more one more piece of bad news, one more like, uh, you know, what is going to, you know, that whole feeling thing we've kind of been exploring a little bit too. By the way, that's still there. It hasn't gone anywhere. Uh, we just can't, we can't dwell on it because we can't control it. All right, but what we can control in this case, is what we're paying to get through the process. And um, we can make it make it matter. We can make it make sense. So what you're going to see is that um, before those classes, you know, the special programs are loan programs, right? And then there was the Home for Heroes and other types of things like that that focus on the costs, but the things that focus on the cost don't don't incorporate the loan, and the things that incorporate or the loan programs don't incorporate the costs. So there's a, there's an extra leg there that you could do, which is if you can take these, those two things and put them together, right? Mm. So that is what we're doing, right? So settlement charges. What are settlement charges? Um, they're the money charges for the services that um, pertain to the settlement of the loan, right? So things like um, appraisal fees, title fees, recording fees, um, getting your insurance in line, uh, inspections, things like that, all the ancillary services that are directly related to either the loan process or the purchase process by itself, right? Uh, termite inspection. That's another one. Mm, mm-hmm. um, maybe if your lender charges a loan processing fee, we don't, but some do. Um, you know, the underwriting or the admin fee. Um, if you choose to pay discount points, you'll see those on there. They'll be part of your settlement charges. There's a document called the loan estimate that outlines all of that out. And if you look at, and I, and I think the easiest way to understand them and really digest them and what I do when I get somebody in and we're, and we're going about this is I just take the form out. I show them the form and I talk in terms of what that form looks like. So this section, that section, left side, right side, this is what this term means. This is what that term means. And by doing it that way, it helps, it helps to make sense of everything. So um, basically if you look at the loan estimate um, you've got, it's got two sides, a left-hand side and a right-hand side. Um. And generally speaking, the closing costs are going to be on the left-hand side. The prepaids are on the right-hand side. Um, the difference between those two things are generally the closing costs, I like to say those are the things that are related to the loan. Those are the things that um, if you're financing, if that, that generally mostly have, have to do with the loan. The prepaid expenses are the things that have to do with 
the buying of the property that you really can't escape, right? So even if you're walking in and you're paying cash for a property, you're still going to have to pay real estate taxes, okay? If you, you're still going to, you should buy homeowner's insurance, although I don't think there's a law that says you have to, but you should. Uh, you're not going to escape that charge by paying cash and not, and not paying for a loan. But if you take a loan out, in addition to those charges, you would incur an appraisal fee, right? Or you would incur uh, title charges related to the lending process and, thing, you know, and things like that. So some of that is attributable to the loan. Um, and where, where it really starts to get confusing is the fact that, one, they, they fall in different sections, and depending on what section they fall in sort of determines uh, or they're in those sections because you can shop for them or you can't shop for them or you did shop for them. You could, but you did. You could, but you didn't. And, you know, and there's all different categoriz- categorizations for that. It gets, it's confusing, number one, even to me. Uh, first time I looked at it and, <laughs> and read through it and was trying to learn it. I mean, it took me a few times, mm, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the practice getting used to looking at it and thinking of it that way. And that, that, that took a little bit of time also. It's not rocket science, but it is, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And uh, um, basically, I think that due to that, a lot of that explanation goes by the wayside mm. and it never makes it to the consumer. So they don't know like one section versus another section. I know it's labeled this. I can read, of course, Mike. But you know, it's it's pre it's pre printed on the form. It just looks like a like a rubber. You know, it's like you know forms. We we sign them all the time, but do we ever really read them? You know, even pre printed hand. You know, like everything looks pre printed today because it's all printed out. And actually, these you're not even seeing a printed out form. It's on a computer screen, and you're digitally signing it more than likely. Mm-hmm. So. Um, it gets confusing. So we're going to dive into that. Um, as always, you can find us, uh, homewiseradio.com, my mortgage website, goshelter.com. Um, if you have questions on this, 314-275-0314, call or text. Um, I can get them answered for you. Good. We'll take a quick break here and uh, continue the discussion right here on HomeWise with Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas, and we will return in just a moment. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stel Pontikas, and Michael Midget is here in the studio with me, and we are really exploring this subject here with uh, home purchasing and home buying. And Michael, take it away, buddy. All right, all right. So today we're tackling, been talking a lot about, talked a lot about rates, affordability, uh, loan programs, things about the loan. We're tackling another aspect of something that plays into uh, what the home is going to cost you over time. And that's the uh, the settlement charges, the direct settlement charges that you're going to pay in connection with the closing of the loan. It's part of your cash to close figure if you're in process or have recently done that. Remember what all that is like. It's that number you're waiting for, like how much do I bring, right? It's just like when it's all said and done, just tell me how much the check needs to be and who to make it out to kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? So 
um, this is part of part of that figure. And I think it gets glossed over a lot. People don't realize that you can shop for settlement services, right? Because I don't think it ever gets brought up that way. And we're gonna we're gonna dig into that here. We were in the middle of talking about the loan estimate. And I realize, you know, as I'm thinking back now, as you're listening to this, you probably don't have a loan estimate in front of you, right? But so for the people that do, I'll refer to sections loosely and in, in, in that. But if you don't, this doesn't mean it doesn't, you can't, you're not going to be able to follow along. It just means you won't be looking at a form or have something to reference right now that, you know, that reflects what, you know, you know, what we're talking about, but it's generally all going to be the same thing. And, you know, let's just simplify it. Okay. Um, there's settlement services you can shop for, and there's those that you really can't, right? Hmm. Um, they come in two sections are both on the left-hand side of the loan estimate. It's section B and section C section B. Generally, that's the one where the appraisal's at. All right. So, if you got a buddy in the appraisal business, you're buying a house, guess what? I know you'd love to send your buddy the appraisal. I'd probably like you to send your buddy the appraisal <laughs> too. Can't can't pick your buddy for the appraisal, mm. right? In fact, even if we went through the proper process to get an appraisal chosen, um, I mean, it would extremely unlikely that it would happen, but there might even be an issue if your buddy was chosen, you know, so I don't exactly know what would happen with that because it's never happened to me. Okay. I've never heard of it happening, happening to anybody, but the point is you can't, it used to be, you know, if you knew somebody, you could, you could have them do it and see. So me being in the business and I'm, you know, working through this. Yeah. I know a lot of appraisers that's appraisers would court me to use them for Mm -hmm. their deals. And so over the years, we would we would get you know we would get to know them, and you know people like to do business with people they know. There's a comfort factor there. Um, it you know it 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 removes uncertainty at the vendor level, right? Well, that process has now been gutted and replaced with uh, something we'll just call it appraiser independence uh, regulations. Air used to be called HVCC. Make a long story short, you don't get to pick the appraiser anymore. I can't pick the appraiser anymore. The lender can't pick the appraiser anymore. There's a new entity or a vendor that uh, you pay for indirectly as a part of the appraisal fee called an AMC or an appraisal management company. They're the ones that make the choice on the appraiser? They are the ones that make the choice. Hmm. So they are supposed to be an independent uh, non-biased, uninterested third party, mm-hmm. even though there are AMCs that are owned by lenders. But point is that the person who is making the, or the system or the process or whatever that is making the the choice of who is going to be the one that this file gets assigned to and goes out like at the company level. So XYZ appraisal, you know, people, Inc., you know, the company, right? Versus, you know, ABC Appraisal Company, Inc., right? Two different companies. Okay, um, you know, last time we picked ABC, this time we're going to go with XYZ because we have so many in this particular area that will take appraisals from this particular geography, and we have them on a round robin. I don't mean to put you on the spot, but does that feel 
awkward to you because you've got so many folks whom you probably trust to do appraisals, folks that you know do a really good job. You would love to choose one of them, and you don't have that opportunity to pick one of them. That is correct. It causes... That's got to be frustrating. <laughs> it is. It is. Well, you know, at first it was frustrating um, because it was because it was new, right? But what, then you get used to the process, mm-hmm. okay? Now, that doesn't mean that it feels much better, but you, you kind of get out of that... You know, I wish it wasn't this way because, it, I mean, it's going to be this way. It's not going to change. So we just have to deal with it, right? So we have to make a plan to deal with it. Except there's really no way to make a plan to deal with it because the rules and regs are as such that you like. I mean, it's as about as airtight as airtight can be if you're going to play above board, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, there's just, there's no way to get the appraiser to that to that guy, anymore so you i'm, I'm just feeling a little bit of it, the frustration well yeah if end. you hear it in my voice i'm like i'm kind of living through this yeah you know so like the last you know i had one just i had a a, a closing yesterday mm. all right and so i go you know i have a process i use where i choose the lender and how i how i work everything out and every lender's process is a little bit different on this, but eventually at some point there comes down to there is, you know, they're going to, the order is going to be farmed out to the appraisal management company. And then the appraisal management company is going to assign it to an appraiser. And there is a system, a, a software program, mm-hmm. right? That kind of plugs in this information. So I'm looking at this board waiting for, mm-hmm the different milestones that go, okay, so order process, order paid for, order, uh, we're actively looking for an appraiser to take this. Okay, we've got it out to this many. Oh, somebody accepted it. Um, okay, now they've got, you know, not, you know and, and, and you can see all these different milestones getting hit, but it's like I'm just, I'm a, I'm just watching, watching this. Meanwhile, I'm supposed to be driving the ship, right? So it's almost like... <laughs> You know, to use a bus analogy, it's like you're 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 the bus driver, but you're sitting in the co-pilot seat and you're let you're just, you know, for this part of the process, you have to sit and watch. It's a critical part of the process, mm-hmm. right? So yeah, all the appraisers are licensed, right? They're all legitimate appraisers, they're supposed to be anyway. Mm-hmm. Um but you know, just 30, gosh darn, I'm probably near 32 years now. <laughs> um, 32 years worth of having appraisals done, you know, I can't say I've never come across bad ones. Mm. And it happens, it happens sometimes. And um, and I'm, I'm responsible for that, for that process. So, you know, it's how, how do we, you know, how do we deal with that? We don't, we just, we have to, you know, you know, we have to let it happen. So not to get you off track, but what happens if you have a problem with the appraisal? Can you go to well, a second? Yeah, there appraiser? is a, there is a process for that where you, you dispute the appraisal mm-hmm. back through this same system, mm. right? So at no point do I, can I ever really address or communicate directly with the appraiser? So they are completely, I'll say 100% insulated from from me mm-hmm. right so if they do a bad job i don't get to 
go up to that question, person. Question them. I can't question them directly. <clears throat> right? I have to question them via a form <clears throat> and my evidence that I will now submit into a process to put in front of somebody who has, not only do they not have an incentive to change it, because, you know, like that, presumably they did the best job that they could. And now I'm, I didn't like the job that they did. They're supposed to be unbiased. I'm clearly biased, even though whether I am or whether I'm not, I am an interested party to the transaction. Mm -hmm. By definition, I'm getting paid to do a job. And by nature of the definitions of everything in, in place, on a technical, like legal level, I'm considered an interested party that automatically creates bias for me. So I'm automatically at a, at a, at a disadvantage. Uh, I don't know if that's clearly, the right yeah, word. Clearly but. a disadvantage. I was thinking of a stronger <laughs> word, but yeah, yeah, we'll just go with disadvantage. Okay. Um, uh, I was thinking penalty, but it's really not hmm. like a penalty, but you feel like you're being, you're being penalized for that. Um, ultimately if it's a bad, if it's a bad appraisal or whatever, it would be the borrower getting penalized and we always fight for our borrowers. So yeah, that's, that's a process. Like we, we never want to get into there because unless you have pretty much the only way to get those to win anything on a dispute like that is if you can find a material mistake in the appraiser in the appraisal, such as, uh, He's got it down as three bedrooms and there's four bedrooms. Mm-hmm. Hey, somehow you missed a bedroom, right? <laughs> Doesn't happen much. Um, more likely though, you know, square footage, you know, mm. maybe they took some liberties and they just use the square footage that was in the, um, in the real estate tax records, but the real estate tax records don't accurately reflect the house because fill in the blank with whatever reason why that is the case, but there's actually an extra 150 square feet on the house. Right. And so, you know, 30, 40 bucks, 50 bucks a square foot, depending on the house where it's at and what those are, that might give you another five or $10,000 mm. worth of, mm-hmm. off of, off of like technical hardcore value there. Right. Those I have won before, but the ones where, you know, Hey, I just think you pick crappy comps, mm-hmm. you know, mm. it's judgment, it's subjective and it's, they have no incentive to change their mind. And in fact, I think it probably looks bad if they do change their mind because it means that they didn't do their job the first time around. So it's pretty much a material mistake. Or if you had new comps come online between the date, the appraisal, the inspect, like the, between the date of the appraisal and now the date of the dispute. Right. And I've, I, I have had that happen before mm. that has saved deals before, but these, these are like, that doesn't happen very often, especially on a purchase, that this this process is there to protect borrowers ultimately, right? So it's overall, in a grand scheme of things, it's, it's a good thing, all right? So I don't want to position it as bad, but it does create uncertainty. Like, just like you said, it does, it does make it, it does make it um, uncomfortable for me because it's a, it's essentially the one part of the process I can't, I can't control and I mm. don't have as much insight into as I would like going in. Right. So I can look at all the comps myself. I've got, you know, automated valuation models, multiple of those that I can run. Uh, I'll talk to the real estate agent ahead of, you know, like, you know, what are we like, 
we're looking at how does this stack up? Because presumably they're doing some research ahead of time to know what what a what a good offer would be, mm-hmm. right? Comparable homes in that right. area. I can't say that always happens because I've been involved in deals where, like, how did you arrive at the offer? Well, it's what the house was listed. It's what it was going to take to buy it. Well, is it going to appraise out? I have no idea. Mm. I didn't even bother to look. Well, mm-hmm. They didn't say that, but I could tell that. <laughs> um, not all the time, not most real uh, real estate agents, but some. It has it has <laughs> it has happened before. But the good ones, the strong ones, the ones that are experienced and know what they're doing and truly have their clients' best interests at heart will do will do some of that work ahead of time. And you know, and so they know. And so one of the things that I'll ask is, you know, what are we how are we looking here? Like do we is appraisal potentially an issue? Because if it is, I wanna start working on I wanna know I wanna start working on that contingency in case that happens ahead of time. So that I'm able to act at the drop of a dime when that comes back, because usually that's one of the last things that comes back. It comes back. Um, there's not often, you know, a lot of time between the time that comes mm. in and the time we're closing, mm-hmm. just because of the way timelines work, and then you know the length of time it takes. You know, it can take a week to get an appraisal back. So depending on what that closing timeline is, it might be, you know, it might be pretty close. Um. If there's an issue with it, if I have to go back, if I have to ask questions, if I have to formulate a dispute, if I have to do all of this, that, I mean, that will basically double the the length of time that it takes to get resolution for it. There just isn't time for that. There's not time also to add in there, hey, and let's figure out what we're going to do. You know, we need to know right now, like, okay. And I, you know, and I would look at it and I, I would say like, okay, you know, if we are within X percent or X dollar amount of this, it doesn't materially affect the end result to the borrower. Mm-hmm. I just have to move some numbers around, re, re-disclose some things, and I can put this back together and still essentially deliver them the same, you know, the same deal. Um, in cases where that's not possible or it falls beyond that that threshold, um, then I need to know that too, because it might, I mean, it, it can, it, I mean, it can kill a deal. Mm. It can up to and kill a deal. So it might not have an effect. Uh, it might have a small effect. We might have to do some, you know, some reworking, um, depending on what the borrower's resources are, they might need to put more money in, or that might be an option for others. It might not be an option. So, um, but in, then in some cases, you know, it, you know, it, it may, it may kill the deal. Um, it may kill the deal because of lack of resources and now no longer qualified and causes issues with that. Or it might just be, Hey, you know, this, you know, the appraiser uncovered, uh, a defect or something else with the property, um, beyond mm-hmm. its value. Or sometimes it's just a, <laughs> this thing in worth nearly, you know, what we thought it was and, um, going to walk. Mm-hmm. You know, or uh, it can be used as a bargaining tool mm. uh, to, uh, you know, well, we agreed on this, but the contract had an appraisal writer on it. So we want to bring the sale price down to what the appraisal was. And, you know, if that's a small change, that that probably happens fairly often in that situation. If it's a large change um, and the seller doesn't want to, which today that's probably most of the time if it's too large of a of a of a reduction, um, or they can meet in the middle or, you know, or whatever it's, but it, it, it becomes a negotiating 
you know, it becomes a negotiating tool. And, okay. Uh, but appraisals fall in that section of can't shop for them, right? So it's the fees, what the fee is, you don't get to pick them. And it's sort of in that, it's, it's in that middle ground there, along with some other, you know, uh, technical lending fees, like the tax certification and the tax service and the flood certification, right? And, you know, we could go into what those are, but they're on every loan. They have to be that delivered when they go to Fannie Mae. They're small. Usually Mm, together, mm -hmm. they're less than $100. Mm. It shouldn't be more than $100. Um, But those are also, we'll see those fees in the section. If they're there, you'll see them in that that second section that that you can't shop for. The one we're going to focus on is the section that you can shop for plus the other, the other section. So um, let's go to break. Yes. And we come back, we will dig into those. Give your uh, contact information again real quick. Sure. Um, Homewiseradio.com, mortgage websites, goshelter.com. And uh, direct questions, you can phone me at 314-275-0314, call or text. This is HomeWise with Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas. We will return in uh, just a moment after this quick break. Welcome back to HomeWise. I'm Stel Pontikas with Michael Midget. And Michael, we're going into the home stretch here, so uh, continue the conversation. All right. Thanks, Stell. So we just got off a <laughs> a dissertation level exploration of the appraisal process and how it, how it plays into this and that it falls into um, the category of settlement services services that you cannot shop for. And we just talked about why you why you uh, why you can't shop for and what that process is. So um, if you're interested in that, you can always go back and re-listen, re-listen to that. The where we want to really dive into today, though, are the settlement charges that you can shop for that you do have control over because there's an opportunity there. And it's a rarely exercised opportunity that uh, can make a big difference. All right. So title. Yes, you can shop for your title work. Okay. Uh, You can also shop for some of your other settlement services too. Um, And just to make it simple, I've I've lined these off to kind of make a list of what, what you can like, what you can shop for and where, where it would, where, where it would probably benefit you. So it's the title work, the title insurance, the settlement, uh, the closing of the loan and things that fall in that, in that category and, uh, the home inspections, um, so like the home inspection itself, if you're getting radon done, uh, mm-hmm. sewers scoped and uh, pest inspection like termites stuff like that oftentimes those will be bundled together in one thing or inspectors will have packages in that which can kind of complicate the your ability to shop for them because uh, generally it's not the kind of thing see the problem with a lot of this is that they are not sold direct to consumers as the primary mode of buying them so they don't have they don't have consumer-facing systems set up most of the time, right, to, to allow that type of journey to happen, right? So marketing, we call that a buyer's journey. People don't show up to buy this <laughs> on their own. 
most, the vast majority of what we do, like over 90% of the, of our business comes from referrals from real estate agents, mortgage lenders, um, maybe even certain settlement service, like the surveys will come from the title companies because they're often the ones that determine whether or not a survey is needed. Mm. Right. Um, people think it's the underwriter that wants the survey. No, the underwriter just wants the title insurance. So whatever the title and whatever you got to do to get the title insurance, that's what, cause that's, that's what the lender is going to bank on. And if there's an issue with, you know, a survey is going to give you land boundaries. So part of your house is built on the neighbor's land next door. Now there's a dispute going forward that's going to fall onto the title insurance company. That's where the lender, the the security for that loan, that's, that's what they're going to look at. Right. So it's just, what does the title company need in order to affect that? They have clear ownership of the improvements of that property, what the boundaries are Mm -hmm. and things like that. So generally survey companies will get their orders from, from title companies for residential type, type, type work like this. Right. So, but we don't, you don't see surveys a whole lot, right? They're not, they're not done on every deal. They're only done when they, when they need to be, or if somebody is, wants to be like super on, you know, on top of it and have super certainty with it. Um, you know, like if they're going to build a fence or, the, oh yeah, or, fences or, or there's a question, right? <laughs> yes. Um, but if you're buying an existing house, there's already a fence there. You know, it's probably like, you're not going to move the fence or it's, you know, I mean, you just, you know, usually if you're going to put one up. So, um, and then the other category, and it's, it actually turns out to be a big one. I think it's the biggest one of all. We've talked about it before. It's the homeowner's insurance. Mm. Whoa. I didn't think of that as a settlement charge. Well, it's not really a closing cost. It's a prepaid expense. It's not associated with the loan because remember I said you need it anyway, but it's when you're going to buy the house and you're looking at, how much money you have to bring to closing. And I know what the down payment was going to be in the difference between that or these closing costs. Oh my gosh, I'm paying all these closing costs. What is, you know, what is that? Like, why are you charging me so much? Well, it's not me charging you so much. It's a portion of that number is set up the escrow account part, you know, so it's real estate taxes. It's, you know, these other things. In addition to all of that, it's a year's worth of homeowners insurance up front. Right. So, whatever that premium is, is getting added in, added in on top of that. So if you can, whatever you can save off of that, uh, it's not a direct savings to the loan, but it will, I'm going to turn that into direct savings on a loan here in a minute, Mm. right? And you'll see why this can really be a powerful idea. So, but the place we're going to focus on for right now, because I want to, there's, there's a thing here is, is title. We're going to do, I'm going to do a whole nother show on this. Um, there's a reason why we're going to dive in deeper on it, but we're getting ready to offer something here and, um, it's going to be a game changer. So, um, people don't shop for title. Why don't people shop for title? Well, because when they make an offer, the title company gets put onto the buyer's contract. Okay. doesn't mean that you have to use that title company, but you know, I mean, it's, again, the system's not set up to shop for title, um, and there's a whole host of other reasons why that might be difficult to, you know, to shop for and that, but nobody ever comes along like they do. Hey, you know what, you know, you need to find yourself uh, homeowner's insurance. You need to, um, you know, you're going to need to get an inspection done. Some, 
some agents will handle that for the people. Um, others will give them an option, um, you know, pick one of this guy, here's who I refer to, or if you know a guy or whatever. Like, by the way, if you know a guy, you can use a guy, right? There's no rule on the inspections like there is appraisals. Mm. Um, so if you know a guy, if you know a title company, you can do that. If you know an inspector guy, you can do that. If you know a homeowner's insurance person, you should definitely do that, right? Uh just don't be afraid to shop around because you may not be getting be getting the best deal and you might not even know it. Okay. Um, take my case, for instance. You know, we did that was one of the first shows that I did. <laughs> that I did. Um, it kind of established that even if you're in the industry and you know what you're doing, you're still susceptible to that. Hey, I didn't realize it because I wasn't looking and thinking focused on it. You know, I was looking somewhere else, hmm. you know. I wasn't, I wasn't focused on it. So anyway, yeah, you can shop for title, all right? Even if you sign the form that says where you're closing, um, you know, there's no verbiage on there that says you've made your decision. This is just, you know, if you wanted to shift midway through or whatever. I, I, I've seen it happen before. Not often, but I've seen it happen. When you get your loan estimate, uh, that title insurance is probably going to fall in this section. It says that you shopped for it. So legally you shopped for it, whether you did or you, whether you didn't, right? Cause I, I made you available to shop for it was available to shop for. You just didn't. Why didn't you, you probably didn't know you needed to, right? But even if you need, so again, now, now I've told you here, go out into the world and get yourself some title insurance. Well, good luck with that. You know, well, who I, I, you know, title companies aren't a high, aren't a household name for the most part. Um, you know, try to find their number. Well, where do I call? Who do I call? What do I say when I call? Call them up, tell them who you are and say you want to buy title insurance. And you're just going to, you're probably going to get crickets. Like, do you know the extension of the person, you know, or what do you want? Or who do you work for? Or something like that, because they're set up to get their business from referrals. They're Mm -hmm. not designed, their systems aren't designed to intake like that. Right. So, you're going to catch them off guard and it's, you know, I don't a know. Cold, a cold call. It's wouldn't. definitely a cold call. <laughs> it's a cold conversation. It's just, it, it's not a, it's not a terrible, I mean, I'm not saying that you can't do it. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is. That's it, not the normal procedure. It's not like, you know, like if you call a mortgage company, right? So if you call me and you call my line, say, Hey Mike, I, I heard you on the radio or I, my friend over here referred me to you or I talked to, you know, XYZ real estate agent. They said to call you to get pre-approved. See, I, I have a system for that, right? I, okay. You know, hey, how you doing? You know, we talk. <laughs> you know, it's not a complicated system. It's not digital. It's, you know, we're two people talking, right? We can handle that. I know what to do. I know what to say. I know what I'm looking for when that, when that, when that comes up. So, um, there is no, the title company is not set up for, and most of these other settlement service providers are not set up for that incoming phone call like that. Uh, heavens, go to their go to their website and fill out and e- like send them an email or fill out the message thing. Right? I mean, um, I've tried to set doctor's appointments. Right? So like, yeah, we're gonna like we're expecting in to intake like consumers directly. You, you can't even get a response back from that. Go to a business who's not expecting that to come in and put a message in on, on, you know, it's just, it's not, it's not set up. There is no, Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> there is no uh, quiz funnel on their mm-hmm. <laughs> website. It's just, hey, click here if you want to buy title insurance, right? It, it probably ought to be a thing, but it, it's not. At least as of the recording of this show, it's mm-hmm. not. So we'll see what happens. Um, but does it matter, right? Um, some people believe it doesn't matter. Title insurance is set by, you know, the, like the cost of insurance is set, set by the Department of Insurance. Mm. Some states it is, some states it isn't. Um, but it's sort of like a, it's like a commodity, right? For the title insurance, yeah, it is. But there are other services that, at least here locally, that title companies typically provide that are beyond the insurance, right? So there's like, we're going to sit down and go through your paperwork and close your loan with you. We're going to take the wire from the lender and the down payment money from you and the other people that are contributing money to this transaction, and we're going to account for all that, and then we're going to disperse it, pay off loans, pay sellers, pay, you know, commissions and pay, you know, like make sure all the money gets to where it's supposed to go and basically uh, ensure, it's called ensuring (laughs) um, that closing, make sure that it happens right because it's necessary for loans to get sold into that, into that secondary market. Mm. Um, There are other services that they're providing for that. And that is where you you know, what are they charging? Well, I guess it's whatever they want to charge. They charge too much. Somebody will notice and, you know, they might choose somebody else, but you know, if they're low, you know what I mean? I mean, there is no, there's no real regulation that I'm aware of that really governs that the same way that the insurance, that the insurance is. So okay, what happens is if you go out and, you know, make a long story short, I've gone out and I've shopped that. And, um, there happens to be a wide variance. Mm. So, you know, $300, $500, very common, right? I don't know if that sounds like a lot of money to you, right? In the context of buying, if you're buying a $400,000 house, what's $300? What's $500? Well, you know, if you take the title and then you take the, so you can do a similar thing with the inspections. You can do a similar thing with the homeowner's insurance. You can do a similar thing if you choose your lender you know, correctly, if you use a real estate agent, you know, there's all, um, there are different ways to accumulate funds that could all stack together. Mm. Right. And so we've been talking about buy downs, right. Um, a buy down is just a way to affect, you know, what the payment you're going to make on a, on a loan is from money that's coming from the seller. All right. Generally speaking, it's coming from the seller because the amount of money it takes to affect that change needs to come. It that's like the only place you can go to get to get enough of that, you know, enough of that money. Nobody really wants to dig into their pocket to do that. All right, but there are ways to look at, you know, to look at saving, you know, to look at savings for that. So if you add all that up and let's just say you were able to come up with a thousand dollars, right? So like the thousand dollar difference between what you would have done typically if you didn't know versus, Oh, I listened to this show and the guy said, do you know? So we were all, look, he was right. We saved a thousand, we saved a thousand dollars on that. Well, if you take that thousand dollars, you just, now now you got a thousand dollars in your pocket, right? Okay. On a $400,000 house, is that really, you know, are you, are you going to do that? You know, I don't know, but you could also take that thousand dollars and you could use it to buy down the interest rate. Mm-hmm. 
and a thousand dollars on most loans um, in my framework, you know, would get you somewhere in the neighborhood of an eighth of, eighth of a percent better on the interest rate. Mm. Now I know people will shop for an eighth of a better on the interest rate and try and whittle it out of you know squeeze an onion and try to get blood out of a you know like that whole that whole thing um, when there's another way to get some or all of that by doing this by doing this other thing that never you know that never gets looked at mm. but eighth of a percent on the interest rate on an average size loan can it knocks you know if you take that lower rate you get a lower payment you can take that lower payment you can plow it back into the loan and when you do that that saves you interest mm. and so not only did you take that money and invest it in the loan to get a better rate that's going to give you and i'm talking when i talk buy down for this i'm talking about permanent buy down because those are the ones i like and since this is free money anyway it's the same money it's money that you would have spent but instead of you know but now because you shopped you saved instead of pocketing the savings you reinvested it back into the loan two ways lower rate and then prepaying the loan you can turn that $1,000 into as much as $28,000 on an average size on like a $300,000 loan. Sure. So that's a pretty good multiple. Yes, so, indeed. Um, there's obviously more to that and we will, we will dig into that uh, in future episodes. Okay. So like, or follow us online, Facebook, homewiseradio.com. Uh, you can find me at goshelter.com. Uh, if you want to call or, or text me, reach me directly. Um, Direct message on Facebook or phone is 314-275-0314. And uh, that wraps up this week's edition of the show. Thank you so much for joining us for HomeWise. That's Michael Midget. I'm Stel Pontikas, and we hope you will join us for the next edition of HomeWise. Take care. Loans and loan information provided by Shelter Mortgage, Inc. Visit us at GoShelter.com and MLS number 192609. A Missouri residential mortgage licensee and equal housing lender. Call 888-497-2558 for additional cost information. Other restrictions may apply.